everybody. This is Eric Krasno. You are listening to the Plus One Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing the show with your friends. We've been getting a lot of great feedback, and we appreciate all the love out there. I've been really enjoying reading your messages, whether it's on Instagram, at One. You can also email me at krazplus1 at gmail.com, and I've been reading those messages too. A lot of great suggestions for guests, and I've been reaching out to a lot of really great artists and musicians and people in the music industry to be on the show. So we have a lot of really cool episodes coming up, and uh, I urge you to follow us on Spotify or um, you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to give a shout out real quick to Osiris Media. They helped me put this podcast together and specifically want to give a shout out to Matt Dwyer, who does all the editing on the show and makes it sound so nice. You can check out the rest of the content from Osiris at OsirisPod.com. My guest today on the show is a guy named Andy Frasco. If you have not heard of him, um, he is a musician. Uh, I guess you'd say he's a comedian as well. I don't know if he does stand up, but he's a really funny dude. And he kind of just puts his whole personality out there. I think he's the type of artist that really flourishes in the time of social media, especially in the last few months. He has kind of ramped up what he's been doing. I know he's been touring for for years with Andy Frasco in the UN, but uh, we talk about this in the podcast um, since COVID and since the shutdown. He's been doing a lot of different things. I mean, he's been doing his podcast actually for a few years. And I was a guest early on in the podcast that's called Andy Frasco's World Saving Podcast. He also does a live streaming show, which I think you can see on YouTube as well. That one's called Andy Frasco's World Saving Shit Show. I was actually a guest on that and I was laughing the whole time. I really suggest that you guys go check that out. But he's also a great musician. Uh, He was in the industry working for a record label early on, taught himself how to play, was his own booking agent and his own manager, got out there touring, built a following. And it's been just really cool to kind of watch him grow. I know I've said that a lot on this show, but I'm always so interested to see how people grow as an artist and build their fan base. But in Andy's particular case, he's also really grown as a performer and as a songwriter. After uh, the first time seeing him live, I was completely blown away by his stage presence. I mean, he was jumping off of the keyboard and, you know, crowd surfing and just had the crowd like in the palm of his hand. Uh, But I was actually really impressed when he started sending me songs. We had been talking about working in the studio together, which actually is finally going to happen this month, I think. But yeah, he sent me some songs and it showed this whole other side to him. Where And as I've gotten to know him and watched and heard the different content he's putting out, I realized that he's not just a party dude. There's more to it than that. And he talks about mental illness. He talks about the issues that he's gone through. And I realize there's more depth to him as an artist than the initial impression I may have had of like Andy jumping off the keyboard and down in a bottle of whiskey. So I'm excited to work with him, but most of all, I'm excited to see how the evolution of Andy Frasco as an artist unfolds. So as we know, it's a crazy time. And when Andy and I spoke, there were fires all around me and smoke everywhere. And it seems as we move through this crazy time period, new issues just keep popping up everywhere. And uh, I know that for myself, I need to get away from it and not stare at the news all the time. I don't blame anyone that does because being informed is is great. But I want to suggest to everyone to get out, get on a hike, listen to some music, uh, take your mind off of it a little bit and just try to stay positive in general. I think that that's one of the things that I really got out of this conversation with Andy is that uh, no matter what happens, he's seeing the silver lining in the situation and really emphasizing that. I'm excited to get into the episode with Andy, but first let's take a second to hear from our sponsors. Epic performer, ballsy stage diver, keyboardist, vocalist, songwriter, podcaster, and just a really funny dude. I'd like to welcome today's plus one, Mr. Andy Frasco. What's going on, bud? I'm doing good, man. I'm, uh, you know, staying busy. Having a baby? 
having a baby literally oh. any second. I almost had to cut. Like, she's about, I mean, it's like any day now. The due date's in three days, but, it, you know, could be any second. Yo, baby on board, baby on board. <laughs> <laughs> so things are okay. You know, I mean, it's crazy to bring a, a child into the world at this moment, you know. But yeah, uh, but this is the time to do. You're not working that much. Yeah. Or you're just working from home. Yeah, I think personally it's fine, you know. And personally it's probably the best. But yeah. um I feel like that's maybe like could be one of your hashtags or something. Like Frasco <laughs> finds the silver lining in everything. You know? Well, I think optimism <laughs> is important, man. It's you true. Know? It's true. I think that's a I think <laughs> you know the good thing though, yeah, I mean a baby doesn't cost that much for two years, right? Or three years. So Yeah, like, the beginning is a little easier. Well, actually, I don't know, man. I hear so <laughs> ever since I've my my wife is preg- became pregnant, I hear every version of everything. Oh, like the first two years are so easy. Oh man, the first years is so hard. Wait till they're two, it's great. Oh, when they're two, it sucks. So I you know, it's I think every experience is different and you don't know what it what's going to come. You know, it's you just got to be kind of ready for whatever at this point. It's kind of like this uh kind of like our careers, bud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Well, <laughs> that's that's being in the music industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's an but it's interesting. I I was doing a little my little bit of research, you know, as I do on, on I mean, I kind of, you know, we've known each other a few years, but it was interesting uh I read the Relics article uh oh, cool, which man. had some cool insight into you know, how you developed a career and how you kind of got in working for labels and booking shows and kind of on the business side. Um, and then as that started, I feel like every time something kind of falls apart, you find a new, you find a way. It's like Bruce Lee. You, you take, you know, you take the energy that's coming at you and you just push it right back out uh, into something positive. Um, yeah, it's like kind of, and I mean, I, I feel that that's like my philosophy in life. You know, it's like, and it's not always going to be good. You might as well enjoy the shitty moments too. So if we could adapt to the shittiness and not just like marinate in our own shit, then maybe we could, you know, start, even if it's inches, as long as we're still progressing, even if it's a couple inches, then, yeah. you know, we're still moving, you know? Totally. Yeah. There was some quote that uh, I read a couple years ago that was on the bathroom wall. Soul Live was on tour and it was funny because it hit me right at a moment where I was kind of like a little depressed. This is when I like wanted to move and like I was just not sure what the hell I wanted to do. And there was something on written on the wall of a bathroom at like a truck stop or something. And it said, uh, life is, is uh, 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason that like just hit me at that moment and it has stayed with me. Um, so thank God for that, that dirty bathroom. But why were um, you depressed? Well, you know, I, I've, I've got, even though I, I'm also an optimist, um, you know, I, I don't like, first of all, the road all makes me depressed. You know, when I don't have, I think also as much as like I'm a road dog and have been for many years, when, uh, I thrive when there's a routine, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? When it's like, I'm getting up at a certain time, I'm exercising, I'm working on music. Like I, I like to, for me, performing is really fun, but I also like creating new things creating mm-hmm. new material work. That's why I love being a producer because I get to work with new people and have different energy all the time, um, different styles that I can work in. So when that when I feel stagnant, and it's never anyone else's fault, it's always you yeah. know, on me in the end because I have to make those decisions. But I think uh, that mentality can be hard when you're in this world because it's, you know, the most successful people I know in music are the people that really stick to one thing and mm-hmm. just hammer at that thing forever. And I have never been really good at that. I do something for a little while and then I'm like, oh, now I want to do this. Uh, now I want to do that. So I don't but think that, you know, I don't know if that's helped my, it definitely has not helped my career uh, on a whole, but it's made me a happier person. You know. You think that's why you build le- from lettuce? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely what. I mean, in, I, I didn't want to be on the road. Also, the timing was off. Like, I wanted to tour with Lettuce in in nineteen the nineties, and yeah. then I got in Soul and then Soul Live started. And those guys weren't really those guys were sidemen and doing a lot of other things. It was impossible to tour with Lettuce at that time. Plus, it was so many people. So by the time it got to the point where like Lettuce wanted to tour, I'd been touring for 
10 years and wanted to be producing and wanted to be in the studio and being on the road. At that time, it was two things. One is that, you know, at that time in my life, I didn't want to hit the road like they did. And then also I wanted to be starting other things, wanted to be recording, mm-hmm. wanted to be... Um, but thanks for having me on your podcast and, and interviewing me. Just... <laughs> Let's go. Wait, one more question, then we'll go back. Then we'll you can interview me. Is it hard for you to say no? It is. So that is a huge one, and this is that's really good. Man, you're way better than at, at this than me. So if we want to put this on your on podcast, it'll be a co um, podcast. Yeah, dog. perfect. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know that's something I've gotten better at in the last couple years. And also shout out to Ben Baruch because he's, he's yeah. he makes me say, he makes yeah, me say no, which is something that not a lot of managers do. A lot of managers just want you to do everything, go get that check. And yeah. he's the first guy I've been with that kind of understands that like longevity is based on like quality. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And sometimes I felt if you you know, and I've always felt that that, that the more I spend time, I mean it's obvious. The more time you spend on something, and the more you put into something, the better it is. And like I was getting to the point where I was saying yes to too many things, and the quality was suffering. You know? Well, and, yeah, and that I mean, isn't that the point why we want to do this in the first place? If we feel like we're being overstretched, then we don't make the art that we're supposed to make, right? Totally, totally. Make the fucking art. Do I have to pump you up right now? Make that art. Make that art, Chris. Make the art you always wanted to make. Uh, (laughs) All right. Now I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm taking taking my control back of this show. (laughs) Um, So do you feel so I know. Okay. I've been watching everything you're doing. Let's let's be real here. Okay. I'm 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 out here stalking all the Andy Frasco stuff. So first off, you've obviously had your podcast for a while. I've been a guest on the podcast. Um, What are some other things that have like revved up during this time? Um, off the road. I know that you've been doing the shit show. You've been doing the dance parties. Um, have you also been, which I want you to also touch on those. I want to talk about those, but I also want to know what are you doing? Are you also, are you working on music? Are you writing music? Mm -hmm. Is it, is there, you one of those people that needs to be stimulated to write music or can you sit in a room by yourself and, and be creative? Well, it was, yeah, I'm riding me. I'm, I just wrote a couple tunes with Anders Osborne. We do cool. these kind of these, like he hits me up every morning and we, we've been practicing this thing of writing everything we're grateful for when we wake up. Yeah. So we've been cool. texting each other and some of the things that, you know, that come to our heads are like, Oh, we should write about that. And then we wrote about it. And cool. I, I'm, I'm just a, I'm type of dude where, yeah, I need, I I'm ADD as fuck. And I need to have five different things going on. And I need, um, I also need to make art that, you know, I'm proud of. Like, I, I just don't want to put content out to put content out. And when, and I had to take a, you know, a step back and say, all right, you're, if you want to entertain, how are we going to a- entertain people who have the mindset that, you know, in the beginning of COVID was like, all right, people are scared. People don't know what to do. People want to be entertained or want to hear music or hear from, they're musicians that they that they're into but how do we do that without just writing songs like covid you know right, <laughs> like right, covid 19 or whatever yeah, and yeah. uh and it was i had to just take a step back and like because i just put out a record in april yeah and uh, i didn't know when the label was going to give me a you know the go-ahead to make the new one and so i just started working on things that, like i love howard stern and i love i love understanding the art of interviewing and understanding the art of like, how can we just keep entertaining people even when, you know, we can't be on stage or stuff. So I started working on all this stuff and then it just snowballed into, you know, me saying, you know, that's why I asked you, is it hard for you to say uh, no to things? Because it was, I was doing the same thing. I was just saying yes to everything because I knew people needed um, musicians to talk to them right now. Cause yeah. when people are sad, this is the time to where musicians, we, they need their musicians. You know, you look back at the sixties, the seventies, you know, I don't know, nineties too, probably all, yeah. I mean, all the times. And, you know, I just wanted to just not, you know, and be scared, but, you know, also try to take the lead to say, we could get through this. We just got to get through it together. Right. Right. And I think you're right by saying that it's, 
it's hard to make yourself write about like because that's one of the things that's been a topic um on my show but just talking to everyone like where are the protest songs and where are the the but you know you don't want to force that either like 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 you said the 60s so much great art came out of the protests and the war that was going Mm -hmm. on um and there's a lot of reasons why that's changed i think like people consume things differently um, the radio isn't as cool as it was back then. Back well, then, the people like the, the force yeah. like, that drives musicians. You know? Right, right. Um, but I am finding a lot of things. I think what's happening now is that there's all of these um, online things. Like you know, we can kind of control our output um, beyond just putting out records. It's like how we interact with people is literally changing in real time. Like I watch, I was this guest on the, the shit show that you've been doing it was awesome. and, and, and it was super fun. I didn't know what to expect. I was kind of glad that I hadn't seen one before I was planning to like watch one. And then, mm-hmm. um, I didn't, and it was actually really cool cause I didn't know what to expect at all. And you were incorporating these things that were brand new. Like not many people are doing that. Like where it's like a live thing, but you have questions and you're, posting video we're watching videos in real time and it's like a game show but it's like serious but it's funny um do you do you like map these things out you know was how how planned out are these things are and and how and i'm also my, my backing that up with another question is like are you like a very technical guy like do you know your you inside and out your computer and how to do all of these like obs programs is that mm-hmm. you or do you have people helping you with that uh, it was me. I, I yeah, didn't know. Yeah. I just, I knew I had to uh, do a type of a, a live talk show thing. So it was like, uh, you know, just talk and looking at how, what, what was working, like the Twitch stuff and how the, okay. if these 14 year old kids are doing this shit, why can't, why can't I do it as well with uh, learning OBS? But like, yeah, I planned this shit, man. I was, yeah. it takes four or five days to build one of those shit shows where you're like, you build yeah. the videos and then you have to like, you know, research your, um, research whoever's on the show and, you know, do something that fits their appetite and, and whatnot. But it also doing stuff that's like entertaining. I got to look at Howard Stern, like, you know, going back to Stern and that's what I was like, okay, so he can, he can get away with talking about, um, you know, dick and vagina jokes and he could get away with asking people about their addictions. So, it doesn't have to be a like, oh, it's only sticky. It could be, you know, I think the best, you know, like I, I love comedy and I love like guys like Chappelle and Carlin, you know, all these guys who talk to you that, you know, it could be a heartbreaking subject, but is actually telling you in, in a real way where it makes you cry and makes you laugh at the same time. So that's why I started the podcast and that's why I start, you know, it's, I'm, it's like the same thing with music. I didn't know how to play. I just knew I wanted to do it. So I was like, well, might as well just get on the road and see if it could work. You know, it's, I'm not, I, I once I have an idea in my head, I'm going to do it, you know, and I'm going to figure out a way to, uh, you know, just see these dreams come into fruition because it's like, I don't know, for me, it's boring if they just sit in the head, you know, I want to actually feel them. I want to feel my dreams. I want to feel, I want to see that shit because if it's if it's happening in your dream, then subconsciously it could come into fruition. We just got to figure it's like a puzzle, you know? Right, right. And just getting there. And I think going back to the first thing we said is understanding that the pitfalls and getting there is part of it. And that can be fun. You know what I mean? You can make it fun. So when you were when you first started dreaming about being a musician and being an artist, like what was around you? Were you, were your, were your parents musicians? Like what kind of, what inspired you? Do you know what planted that seed? Um, yeah, it was, uh, my parents were, um, commercial real estate brokers. I, I grew up in the Valley. Okay. But, um, where in the Valley? I, I grew up in uh, West Hills, Calabasas. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I went to El Camino and stuff, but in eighth grade, I was, I've always wanted, I always started businesses, even when I was like 13, you know? So it was like, I had a, I was, I was slinging laser pens when I was in fifth grade, but I got in trouble. So I won't talk about that. And then, um, um, and then I started DJing bar mitzvahs. I was like, Oh, there's a market. Everyone's like charging 10 grand. I'll just buy a, a, you know, I borrowed 500 bucks from my pops. Like I'll pay it back. No problem. And I just bought a DJ system and started 
playing that and, you know, and just undercharging every, you know, all yeah. the people who kind of wanted to be cheaper with the DJ stuff. So that happened. And I was just like, I'm not into DJing or doing this. So I started working at record labels. I was interning at a pop punk record label. Cause I went to the warp tour. Um, and I loved, I loved the scene. It was my first festival. I'm like, damn, I want to be part of this. These guys are rock stars. And it looks like they get laid a lot. And I'm like, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> I'm like well, I got to do this shit. And then, um, so one thing led another, I got an internship and then I started booking bands because I didn't know how to play an instrument. So I booked at the key club for a couple years and then okay. at Capitol and just built all this knowledge. And then, um, I had to pick if I was going to be a musician or go to college. And I was studying to be a teacher, um, like a elementary school teacher. And then I, uh, I said, fuck it. I'm just going to dive in because if I don't do it now, I'm going to regret I'm going to regret it. And I'm going to have like $80,000 in debt from college. And I'm just like, why the fuck yeah. am I going to put debt on me that for something I don't love? So. And were you playing with a band at that point or other musicians or, or like, like how are you were, how, how did you kind of see it coming together? Did you always see yourself as being like the, the like leader of a band and the front man or. I what always wanted to be in a band, yeah. but I just knew that I just had this idea like, Oh fuck bands break up all the time. So if a bass player or guitar player leaves me, I don't want to fucking have to change my name and change my identity. I'm just going to just call it Andy Frasco and anyone who wants to come, they come on. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm just, I'm always preparing for failure. This, this is my neurotic Jew in me. So it's like it's, <laughs> the backup plan with the back, another backup plan. And then another one, it's like that yeah. neurotic Jew. But like, I, and yeah. then I, you know, I had to get out of that phase because if we're thinking about our backup plan all the time, then we're not thinking about the actual dream yeah. that's right in front of you. And then we end up just doing the fucking backup plan because we're always so neurotic that yeah. we end up just going to what's easier. So I'm, I'm just not a guy who wants to get, Cho I just want I don't want to I'm not a guy who who's ever gonna take the easy route. You know, right. it's like I picked I'm I got swarmed I got, you know, handed off into the jam scene and I can't even fucking solo, you know. So, yeah, so it's yeah. like so it's like I gotta figure out how to swim out of this shit before the haters realize what the fuck's yeah. going on. So I just why started, why did, why do you think that is? How did you how did you land in this scene? Oh, because I was promoting drugs if, in the beginning and I was promoting, uh, I was promoting, um, a live experience and not really thinking about songs per se. I was just, you know, like I had, you know, when I wasn't getting record deals, I wasn't getting that major label deal that I wanted the development right. deals. Right. So I got handed off into the jam scene and they, uh, um, they accepted me for who I am and they accepted me for what I was doing for a few years until, you know, started, you know, believing in my own shit where it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Um, and I was just fucking too much and drinking and doing too much Coke. And I was like starting to, uh, admit to myself that this was the life and, it wasn't, it's a, it's about music and it's about songwriting and it's about writing songs. So I had to like take a step back and say, well, if you always want to be a songwriter, be a fucking songwriter. Don't be the guy, you know, that's, yeah. Oh, he's just a good entertainer, you know? So I had to step back and actually do the work. And now I'm slowly doing the work and I could see, uh, I just feel better about the art I'm bringing to the community now. And are there other writers that you admire that you study I'm into folk. I've always been into like soft, uh, you know, folk music. I started, I followed Damien Rice. That was okay. my guy yeah, when yeah. I was 19. And that's what made me quit college. I'm like, this guy is playing by himself with a loop machine and he's making everyone stop what they're doing. And it was completely silent just to hear him either talk or sing or do his looping. I'm like, I'm not going to stop until I, until I get to that point, you know? And, and yeah, so I was listening to him. I loved Van Morrison. I loved the band, but yeah, I didn't start yeah. listening to that stuff because LA, you don't, you don't have jam music in LA. It's like, it's like, right. there's no like, I didn't know about the Grateful Dead until I was like 22, 23. Like, so what were you, what were you listening to when you were like a teenager? Fucking metal yeah. and um, pop punk 
And uh, I was working for, you know, growing up in LA, there was like the like Offspring, Lagwagon, MXPX, yeah. No Effects, like all the bands from the Warp Tour. Cause I was like, I, yeah. and Ska, I love Ska. Like, I, I just love energy when fucking the, trombone players jumping off the stage and the yeah. fucking lead singers fucking like that was the shit that got me off. Like, yeah, I I'm, I want to be stimulated when I go to a live show, you know? And yeah. I remember I seeing you for the first time was in St. Louis. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think I sat in with you, right? You did. You're, yeah. you're at Broadway Oyster Bar. You're playing a gig yeah. and then you showed up at the bar. My crazy you coming in. I'm trying to remember how we met though, because you and I were talking before that, right? I think I, think I wanted you... you to produce my, my record and right. you haven't that seen before me that? play. Yeah. yeah okay, you haven't okay. seen me play Yeah, and I told you to come out and you saw a couple tunes I remember just being blown away by <laughs> what I was seeing. I didn't really know what to expect either. It was, it was, and uh, I was like, "Holy shit!" You were like standing on a keyboard and like jumping over a set their sax player and then riding on the guitar player's back and jumping into the yeah. crowd. And I was like, "Holy shit! This guy's putting on a show!" And the whole place was going nuts. It you was, know, it's it was, like I feel like if you put the energy out that you are an open vessel and you're going to do whatever you can to stay present, even if it's for the one and a half hours that you're on stage or whatever. I think that emulates into, you know, or festers into bringing a whole experience for the whole crowd when people yeah. feel like they're not scared. Like, have you done a drive-in yet? No, I have not. I've been kind of shying away from that. Yeah. Not that I'm not going to do it. I've just been weirded out by, by it a little bit. But you know, I, have you have you been doing them? I did one. Okay. And and what was, was that? What was that like, like for you? With like, because I always feel like, even, and I feel like from you it would be even more so. But without the energy there and the crowd there, like whenever I play a show and there's like a huge gap like and you play a big venue and there's that mm -hmm. big like pit and all that i'm always like weirded out um i'm sure i can get over that but no it, but. it's totally weird but it's like it's, it's that same point like when you expect something from the audience you know if if i'm throwing one hundred twenty thousand percent into the show yeah running around like a crazy motherfucker and the song ends and everyone's so far away that's all here is like you just hear a couple claps like, <laughs> i'm like fuck all this but oh, you gotta wake up from it like yeah. it's just uh you know it's like that's the thing like i wanted I, like the reason why I became a musician is because I couldn't be an athlete. I'm like, yeah. you know, six foot and Jewish. Like I, yeah. I couldn't play basketball or nothing. And I, I look at guys like Kobe Bryant and I look at guys like, you know, even Michael Jordan or Dennis Rodman, for example, where they have their, what they're good at. Right. And uh, when they don't get, you know, and, I, and they never gave up. They were in this gym all fucking time. And they're fucking, that's the philosophy I had. Like, I'm going to play every single show. Yeah. I could get on or book because I was booking myself for the first six years and just get better. Cause I think, you know, it's like, you don't, I don't, some people are gifted. Like you're a prodigy. Like you've always been fucking, you got this brain, but some people have to like, just practice a lot, a lot, a lot. And, um, you know, you get there as well. So it's just, I just put that mindset. Like I don't have anyone to teach me music. So I'm just going to do this myself and I'm going to play every single day and I'm going to, practice every day and work on my timing and work on all this stuff so um you know i could i could stand at a table and you know be proud to be in the table with eric krasno and oteal and all these guys you know please stick around we'll be right back after this short break on the road for what five or six years before we met you had been on the mm -hmm. road you know and and i also uh read that you had a a, a, a separate like moniker as your booking agent like you were your own booking agent but you were like yeah. drew mitchell or yeah, andrew. andrew mitchell frasker dog like, <laughs> right right but i love that isn't I love it that. crazy how much you have to bullshit 
and yeah. fake it yeah. just to make it in this fucking industry. Like, oh, yeah. it's all smoke and mirrors. And that's one thing that kind of like, it's not, I'm, you know, I'm, I like to keep it 100, even if I'm going to cause some problems, you know? And yeah. when we, some people, you know, or the industry wants you to play by their rules. And, you know, you have to have a record label before you get a booking agent or you got to build fans before yeah. you, you know, like what, why? Yeah. Why can't we just manifest our own destiny? Well, I think now people kind of have to, you yeah. know, not many people are getting record deals and blowing up anymore unless you're like a Disney child actor. What about booking agents? Yeah. I mean, I think agencies, agents are important, but I mean, I've, I've done a lot of that. I mean, I've always worked with people, but you know, I, you, you create relationships. It takes time. And I think you're in that same boat. Like we're both, mm -hmm. like I have managers, I have an agent, but a lot of the stuff I book and a lot of the stuff I do is based on my relationships. And then I, you know, I just don't like negotiating <laughs> yeah, like the rates and stuff, you know? So, uh, so is that worth 15%? That's a great question, but I think I'm a very like different. And I also have always had arrangements like my agent and my manager also allow me to shift and things are sometimes things are, um, are not exactly by the book. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but what then bums when I, you out when you're in this music industry, what bums you out the most? That's a really good question. You know, well, you know, what bums me out sometimes is that you know, sometimes my best work goes overlooked and then something that I do that's really dumb and stupid, it gets praise. You know, that's because people are into, sh you know, and, I, and not to downplay, you know, because if you are good at making an impact and like kind of shocking people or whatever it is. It's like that gets a lot more. I mean, it's like this day and age, like Kim Kardashian is the most famous person, but doesn't really have a skill. You yeah. know, sometimes I put something out, you know, and I feel like it's my greatest work and it goes totally under the radar or whatever. And then something out, and then I do some sort of collaboration with someone where I spent five minutes on it and that gets like, or like, you know, we, we create these animation videos or these videos that take so long. And then you do a video of like fucking around and that gets like a zillion plays. So, you know, sometimes that, but at the same time, are we overthinking? We're over. Yeah. Um, I think the thing I've learned recently is you can't be, too precious about your work and you just got to keep creating. And sometimes the work is for me. Sometimes I think what I think is the best work is just, that's just what I think is the best. It's not necessarily going to be yeah. the best for other people. Um, well, it's like it's that, that question, why are we doing art for us or them? That's a really good question. And then also once you're doing the art, you know, and I've been playing for a long time. So a lot of times people want to hear, so live or they want to hear that stuff, you know, and then if I do something, but you know, that is one small piece of me as a musician. So like when I put out like a ballad where I really love the lyrics and I love the whole thing, a lot of people don't really want to hear that from me, but I get it because, you know, if like, you know, LL Cool J puts out a ballad, it's not the one I'm putting on first. I'm putting, you know, mm -hmm. I'm putting radio or like one of his early like hip hop. Like that's the thing is it sucks because, you know, and I like we had I have this conversation with one of my producer friends all the time about Kanye West cuz he like still loves Kanye. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm a little torn on Kanye because his first couple albums, I bumped it like crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? But I don't really want to hear him singing. You know what I mean? I want to hear him rapping. So I'm, I am just as bad as anyone else because, you know, you get to know someone for what they do and you, the thing is musicians have to change and evolve. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's actually you know, I will also say that's also what's great about like the jam scene or whatever is that, you know, it's kind of genreless. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like there's band. like I remember when Soul Live first came out and we all of a sudden were kind of th thrust into the jam band world when we were like nothing like any of that music. Yeah. But we improvised and we jammed and we soloed. Um, so I think people liked that. But if you compared us to the Grateful Dead or anything else, it was so different. Um so but maybe the question is, a, it's like a human nature question, like where yeah. um, people remember what you first do. Right. And they'll right. stick with that forever. Like 
you know, I remember when fucking Krasno was playing for 10 people at the fucking Soul Live first show. Yeah. And then they, 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 you know, 15 years later, however long it's been, and you want to do other things. Like, I love that stuff you did with, um, oh, what's that girl? Emily? Emily? Oh, Emily King? Yeah. You did yeah. some shit with her, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, she's on my album. Yeah. Um, and that whole telescope album that I did is was like this really weird concept album that sounds nothing like anything else I've ever done. Um, and that's kind of one of the things you I was didn't, referring to. You didn't to. get that much love for it? Well, I, I, the people that noticed it gave me a lot of love, but it just didn't get noticed by a lot of people. Like a lot of people, but I also didn't have a record label and I didn't like do a publicist and all that. <laughs> I kind of just did like some videos created. A, it was also under a different name. Look, so Kras- there was a lot of reasons why. Yeah. It was Kras- Kras. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's hard for people to find it. Um, but I'm okay with it. Cause like every once in a while, someone goes, Oh my God, I just want people to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really, I don't, if they don't like it, I don't won't mind. It's just like, I guess that's what pisses me off is when things get, uh, if you work really hard on something and it doesn't get noticed, but you know, it's part of the process too. Yeah. It's like, you know? or people, it's hard for people to accept change. You know, it's the same yeah, thing yeah, with yeah. this whole racial debate and this whole thing with, you know, just growing up, I mean, like, I remember, you know, it's like when you have best friends when you're a kid and then all of a sudden you see them when you're 30 or 40 or whatever. And you're like, yeah, we're completely different people. And if oh, yeah. you can't accept that, I'm not going to, you know, do fucking an eight ball in a night anymore. <laughs> then maybe we shouldn't <laughs> fucking hang out. Like, but it's like, I don't know. I think I, I'm kind of like that too, where like I have these standards of what I knew of a person or what I know of something. And when things change, I have to like, I have to be okay with it. You know, it's like, it's the same thing with this music industry. Same thing, like going back to that question, like I just jumped on the ball of like, this is the norm for now. I got to do dreams. I got to make fucking videos and, and lip sync videos and have virtual fucking dance parties, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And for some people, you know, it's like, they don't like, to accept that we have to change, you know? And yeah, but for us as artists, I mean, like, I'm, I don't want to sing this. I don't want to do the same fucking horror every fucking day anymore. You know, I wanna, exactly. exactly. I and I think thing. that goes back to that thing I was saying It's like when I, I, when I start doing the same thing all the time, I mean, the reason we became musicians is because we didn't want to have the same experience every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, but there are, you know, but people like it goes, and also a lot of people want to hear you do that same song and do that same thing. But, you know, we need to evolve. We need to have fun with it because at once it starts to become not fun for us, that is obvious to the the people watching. Tell me the the day, you, you probably remember it, the day that music was not fun. Oh, there's been, there's been a few. The thing is that it always is fun at some point, even in every experience. Mm -hmm. I think that's partly why I'm not as jaded as I could be. Um, But, oh, there's been plenty. I mean, you know, I've had corporate gigs where I've showed up and it was like, no one's paying attention. You know, we get paid well, so you can't complain. But like, you know, there, I won't really do weddings anymore because I did this wedding once that was like a fan, but it was horrible where like they stuck us in this shitty room with like the the it was on a boat and we got stuck in this like weird room with like the people prepare like the dishwasher and stuff like that and I'm like you know I'm like why did you book me just to like throw me in air and then they they asked they they told us you know because part of my thing is I'm gonna do whatever I want musically like I'm not gonna play and then we get there and the mom's like oh you gotta play this song you gotta play that song and I was just like oh man however if people do that all the time and a lot of people I know are in wedding bands you know so yeah. i shouldn't <laughs> like you. I, I shouldn't but for me that was like okay i'm never doing a wedding again this was horrible it's horrible experience. yeah and i you know I, I take my unless they're like yeah because we get asked to fucking do weddings yeah we're like fucking bar mitzvah band up in this bitch like um yeah. and no no shade no, to that no i, I mean, mean that, if that's your hustle that's your hustle but yeah, like totally if what do we get it i mean like what's your idea of a great show, you know, I guess that's the question. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question because I like to be, I mean, I think that 
that's why you know if I've become I've come full circle to being a Grateful Dead fan because I was when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but you know when you become a musician, the Grateful Dead isn't like the and, and the funny thing is they are the greatest musicians actually. Mm-hmm. But there's a time period where I was into like the jazz guys and the funk guys and the Herbie Hancock and I was like oh the Grateful Dead is just not it's not cool yeah. you know. And um, but what I respect about them is they first of all have some of the greatest songs in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were so ballsy because like every night they would completely change their show and, and you would be a part of it. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's a fine line because you go to see like a pop artist and they pretty much have their show, not everyone, but a lot of them have their show pretty much planned out A to Z every night. And it's mm-hmm. always the same. Cause it's about the songs you think? Well, I, yeah, I think in those cases, like you see Justin Timberlake, I'm sure it's in a great show. He's got a lot of great songs, but you can tell when something is totally um, planned out. Yeah, you know, it's totally. like I saw Tame Impala, and I remember I'm a big Tame Impala fan. When they first came to the States, it was very live, and there was more improvisation, and I loved that because I loved their songs, but I also loved, and I loved that they built their show, and it was very technical, and it was rehearsed and whatever, but there was room to play. Then the last time I saw them, there was so much production that you could almost not tell if they were there. <laughs> you know, it could have been, yeah. been a video, you know. So I, if you can have great songs, songs and great production but also have improvisation and bring people into this like spontaneous thing um that's why i thought the grateful dead nailed that and i've like been like listening back to like their fire like like the late 70s like when they were like really like killing it and i'm like okay wow there is a reason why all these people love this music and why they follow it and the reason i got back into it was playing with phil you know and starting to study the music um but that being said, if you can combine those two things, you know, and that's still why, like, I would love, you know, years ago I saw Herbie Hancock do, like, with Dave Holland and Wayne Shorter. Yeah. And I hadn't seen jazz in so long because I was really jaded from jazz. I was like, oh, I just want to hear good songs. Whatever. I went to see them, and it was, I mean, they, it blew my mind on another level. It was, like, spiritual, you know, because uh-huh. so I guess I ride that line where I want to hear good songs and I want to hear I love good production. But I also want you to take me somewhere different, you know, that was different than last night in Tulsa. Yeah, or I'll just you listen know? to your fucking CD. You know? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but exactly. it's like, <laughs> but <laughs> you just said in like 10 seconds when I took me like 15 <laughs> minutes to say <laughs> thanks. Oh, a lot. God, do you think that's <laughs> I think this is like deeper than music. It's it's like. Um, do you think the older we get and the, or the or the more successful we get, there's no space for winging it? Well, I think that we need to make sure there is. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, I think that's part of the thing is that you got to have fun with it. And I think that there's certain people that do. And I, I, I'm harping on the dead thing. But when I go to when I play with Phil, he wants there to be a lot of room. Like he doesn't want to over rehearse. But he and that's why he likes having different musicians every time, because he wants to feel that like. You know, which and it's funny because there's this weird, there's this energy that can be felt as a very dark because you can get really nervous. But that room between being rehearsed and um, being spontaneous, that room between can be used to like the most um, to be the most amazing moment ever. But it can also go south and be really uncomfortable. Um, yeah. I think the, the difference with Phil is that when it gets uncomfortable and I'm about to freak out, I look over at him and he's laughing. Yeah. He's like, we're here again. We're here. <laughs> it's all good, man. I've been here many times, you know? And then like when it's great, he looks at you and he's like, oh man, see, see, cause I'll be nervous about that. You know, why, are we, why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect? That's a good question. That's a good question. I'm not, I was just talking about that. I had an artist named Victoria Canal on the show and she was one of my favorite young singers. And when she performs, she talks about the show and she talks, I mean, she talks about the songs and she, it's very personal and she t- gets into really like deep subjects. And, uh, I get uncomfortable sharing like in front of an audience when I shouldn't be, you know, I think I've become more comfortable over the years, but you know, you, that that's, that's the weird thing. That's like, because you, you want it to be spontaneous, but also I get like, when I don't know what's going to happen, I sometimes will get nervous. I've gotten better at that. And that's like kind of something I'm 
working at and so it can it can flow a little better and feel like it's rehearsed to the audience even though it's 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 like the same philosophy we have when we post on social media or have a baby (laughs) (laughs) it's like we want to be perfect in the whole idea of what we're supposed to be identified as you know if it's a dad if it's a you know musician if it's a friend that we forget that there are times when we're going to be a shitty dad. We're going to be a shitty friend. We're going yeah. to be a shitty musician. For sure. And like, it's just tough, especially when you're a perfectionist or if you, if you work so hard on a craft that like, I don't know if that's with you, but do you, do you remember your shitty moments more than you remember like your great moments? I'd say that, that that's a good question. I'd say it's somewhere, some it's, it's about equal. You know, yeah. I remember something and the good thing is that I try to, we laugh at the shitty things. You know, what's funny is like, as I've gotten older, I laugh quicker about the shitty things. In, ta- in fact, all the way to the point where I like will laugh when they're happening now. Yeah. Because like, what else are you really going to do? Like harp on it and let it ruin you, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, you grew up, where'd you grow up? New York? Yeah. In you- suburbs of New York. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in LA where everyone's already fake as fuck. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like everyone is pretending to be someone. I remember I had to like lie about where I've been just so I could get conversations with people right, or just right. to have a meeting with someone. I'm right. like, what the fuck is this? Like, why are we not being the people we were born to be or think the way we just think? just so we can impress others, you know? Yeah. Why can't we just be our completely ourselves? And, you know, it's the same thing. I used to dog on the Grateful Dead all the time. Like, these, these motherfuckers, you know, like, these motherfuckers, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And it's because I have this idea of what I think music should be. And, you yeah. know, we all have these ideas. And then when you take off those barricades or what you think life should be, when you take out these barricades of, oh, well, you need to, you know, graduate college and um, get a girlfriend, get married, you know, come in a chick, get fucking have a kid, you know, all this shit. And like some people, that's just not who they are. And like, it's okay to improvise, you know? And that's one thing I learned about the dead as well. I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know them as well as you do, but you know, I've met O'Teal and I've, and I became close with him and his idea or, you know, the, the Bruce Hampton philosophy is like, it's okay to fuck up. It's okay to be human. You know, we're afraid to be human sometimes. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of need to fuck up sometimes. I mean, that's, that's how you grow. If you're not fucking up, you're not doing anything new. You're not taking risks, you know? Yeah. And then what's the point of having living presently? If we don't take risks every now and then get the fucking blood moving a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Like what gets you high now? You like, you like producing, right? I like making records. I like producing, you know, I've been making a new record of my own too, which has been fun. Cause I, you know, in the past few years or decade, I've put a lot of energy into other people's records, which I still love. Um, mm-hmm. but now, um, and it's also out of necessity because right now a lot of, not a lot of people are making records or yeah. at least not traveling and working with people in studios. So, uh, I've really been loving just working on my own music and putting that energy into my own stuff, which, you know, I, every other record I've made of my own has been like secondary to touring and like, okay, I got, I got a couple days here, a couple days there. And I've also like, it's weird when you're making your own records, at least for me and all have all these other things going on. Cause it becomes like the back burner thing. And right now that's kind of my focus, even though I am doing a lot of other things and it's feels good to do that, you know? and actually focus on the songs and focus on the production of my own stuff. Um, it's so weird to me that people aren't, tr- I mean, like isolation is your time to like record and like yeah. get out. There. I was thinking you'd be busier than ever. All these motherfuckers just like, I need yeah. that craz in me. You well, know? there was a few, there was a few records that I was supposed to be doing, but like, you know, it's hard and I'm working on, on my record. I'm actually working with this guy named Otis McDonald. Who's helping me produce it. And he's in San Francisco. He plays drums and keys and he's just a great engineer and singer. What else has he produced? I don't know that he's produced much of other people's stuff, but his own music you should check it out. It's, it's really great. Yeah. Otis McDonald. Um, and so we've been sending music back and forth that way. And we've done two sessions together. Um, yeah, I don't know. People are, are worried about traveling, worried about being in the studio. Um, 
And so the few of the projects I was supposed to work on fell through during this time. So, I mean, which actually to me has been, been great though, because I've been able to, you know, focus on this and I'm still working that there's, I'm still producing other stuff. I'm just not doing, uh, tons of it. I'm still working with a cat, right. On her record. And then I'm, um, do doing producing a record for a guy named James the eighth, uh, really great singer songwriter. And, uh, but yeah, we're just keeping it. He, he lives nearby and we're both like, it's like, he's like one of the four people I've been like seeing regularly. Um, so he's actually been here, but really it's just mostly been me in here. That's great, man. I mean, like, I'm, I'm just so curious, like what, what, how labels or how production deals are working now with like, are people are are companies taking the risk on musicians? Are they taking the risk and giving them a budget, or are they just like lend this? Some thing are, right but out? not many. A lot of yeah. so that's the weird. It's a weird time for a producer because it's easy for artists just to go record themselves, you know. Um, yeah. So they have to want to invest in their careers enough to make what they think will be a better record with a producer. Uh, but it's hard, you know, because it's not a lot of people have money anymore um, yeah. to make records it's kind of an investment in your touring and in your c- career so now that touring's not happening a lot of labels are shutting down whatever projects they had happening so it's you know like we it's said it's scary. a weird time you, does that make you nervous um not really not really you know i i'm fortunate because i can kind of make music regardless like i'm gonna keep making music in a weird way i got excited when it when i like saw my schedule open up because i was like oh well now i can uh now i can work on my own shit you know but the thing that worries me is that eventually money will run out if (laughs) yeah uh if gigs don't come back but uh I always feel like we're going to figure it out. You know, we're going to figure out ways to make this work, man. Yeah. People will need music. We'll figure out ways for, uh, to get by and to, you know, you heard it live on the Eric Krasno podcast. I feel like this is the Andy Frasco podcast, by the way. This is this is this is definitely. I just don't get to talk to you that much. Bro. I know. So I appreciate it, but curious. I do feel like now now you you keep flipping it back. You keep flipping it back to me. Um, how right, are the, how are the boys on. doing? How how are all the guys in the band doing? Hard I, man. I mean, they're all cool because they you know like they kind of like took this opportunity to fall in love with their girls and stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and like, so, but you know, money's drying up and, you yeah. know, I, I try to get them involved in the beginning. I'm like, Hey, um, let's do it. You want to ride? I'm going to, I'm going to start doing these streams and stuff. And they're like, eh, we're going to, cause we've been on the road crash for like 15 straight years, 250 shows a year. So it's just crazy. like, this is our time for everyone to chill out. I'm like, and I got, you know, I had my two weeks to chill out, watch porn and fucking, yeah. you know, just decompress and shit. Yeah. And then I, you know, then I got bored. I mean, like I need to move. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to waste my thirties waiting for someone to tell me that I could start working again. I just, so I just started jumping on it. And yeah. now that we're getting more shows, we got some more shows in October in the Southeast and, you know, and are you um, flying right now? Are you okay with all that? Like I'm, I'm probably about to fly to new Orleans next month and I'm a little nervous about it, but that's the cleanest dude. Airports and airplanes. Like those guys don't want to get fucked. I'd be more worried about going to, uh, you know, the local restaurant and like, you know, and, or the, or the, or the grocery store and like where everyone's touching everything. I mean, like I just need to travel, man. Yeah. Like I've, I've, I've been really enjoying not traveling, but yeah, but I'm ready to take a couple of days. If you know, right now, um, you know, I mean, the, this is the longest, right? Six months. Oh my God. This is, the, haven't oh, this is the longest by far three weeks into it. I was like, this is the longest I've ever been home in 20 years. Yeah. So, uh, I've been really enjoying it, but I think, but you know, it's funny. It's like, then like, you know, yesterday, you know, my, my wife's family's in town, we went out to dinner and I was like, oh man, being out and being, talking to people and like, being, yeah. I was like, man, this, and I came home like happier, you know, yeah. it was one of those things where I didn't realize that I, how much I'd been missing so, social interaction and totally, um, I think playing some music will be fun. 
Um, this weekend felt like a fucking weekend. Like I got to, yeah. I went to Cervantes, got to see like uh, Eddie Roberts and Nick Gerlach and yeah. Benny Bloom all play some dinner. Yeah. Some like chef and shit showed up. And uh, I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. I'm actually getting drunk at a venue again. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, yeah, it's fun. Uh, like, how hard is it? You know? What's, is it, um, is it smoky up there? You guys no, still And we fire? got a snow last week. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I was worried because we we're playing Red Rocks on Thursday. Oh yeah, so tell me about the Red Rock show. Is it's what's that going to be like? Is it 175 kind of... cap, baby? <laughs> <laughs> really? So where do that? How do they do that? It's just like seated. It's like tables. I and have stuff? no idea. No, I think uh, they're just going to use the whole mountain and like spread them out. Yeah, because. Um, so I got that gig because um, my management manages uh, Nathaniel Ratliff, and he's yeah, doing yeah. five nights there, and he he couldn't do the Thursday or didn't want to do the Thursday. And they asked me to headline it, which yeah. was, you know, it's my first, I've never played Red Rocks and, you know, cool. it's kind of weird to like say I sold it out when I only sold 175 fucking tickets. But, uh, you know, it's hey, like, man. it's you know, weird it's, times and it's cool just to be able to play. There is such a beautiful. Experience. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like going back to the idea of like, these are your dreams. Yeah. I've always wanted to play Red Rocks. Yeah. Your dreams aren't going to come when you fucking want them to come, they're going to yeah. show up on a, you know, uh, you know, down the corner when you stop. It's like, I think it's like love. Like when you fell in love with your girl, yeah. like, were you like, were you lonely? Like I need to find a girlfriend or did she just come out of fucking nowhere? Kind of came out of nowhere. And yeah, it's funny that you, I was think when you were just saying that I was thinking about that exact thing. It's like when you find someone, it's never quite what you think or how you think or when you think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right about that, man. I mean, I didn't imagine how, like having a kid at this moment, but it's also like kind of the best, you know, thing. That uh, now you and, lucked out that you didn't get anyone pregos or anything, you know. Like, I'm not saying like you're a whore <laughs> or anything, but like, you know, accidentally fuck up or something, and like you actually did it. You got a kid when you're in love and it was older in your life, yeah. like, and now and I feel like, like I can be around. And like, you going back to the saying yes, saying no thing, it's like now it's you know, I, I needed I needed more reasons to say no, you know, and of course, I want to be there for 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 the kid you know it's like i've saw oh, and, and no you know i had no judgment on any other musicians but i've seen so many musicians have kids when they're in their 20s and and miss out on so much mm-hmm. uh on their kids you know childhood and stuff so i think um it happening a little later for me in my 40s that i'll be able to be there more um now i can you know hopefully i'll still be able to work <laughs> when all this is over but um i you know and one of the things about quarantine and COVID it's like I'm finding new ways to work from home and stuff like that so yeah you know it's like it's like I never had a girlfriend before yeah ever yeah like never once and I was always just into the one night stand thing and uh never committed because I knew what was keeping me driven and keeping me you know content was just being on the road 120 percent. so when yeah. you take that perspective out of your brain for a second and start realizing oh yeah i like other things you know yeah. i like like i just bought a house in denver i'm like yeah i like sitting and talking to you on a fucking 1 p.m and not driving to butt fuck uh you know like uh Poughkeepsie or something. Right, right. <laughs> and those well, were the moments, like going back to like the times where music was not fun is definitely that. Like being in the van all day, every day, or being in the bus or whatever. That is what, what broke me down. Because like being on stage and playing music with your friends, there's nothing really better than that, you know? Yeah. It's really the, the, the other shit. Because that's like 5% of the time. You know, it's like yeah, the rest like of the you, day you're, you're, you're traveling and you're, you know, your health is deteriorating and, um, yeah. but the times yeah. where, and all the other thing that I love is like my other friends on the road, you know, running into you, running into other bands, uh, like the dumpster funk guys and, or like the, you know, Tedeschi trucks crew. And, mm-hmm. you know, you run into these people at festivals that are like your best friends over the years and you always hang in these environments and some of those times are my favorite times you know and yeah so, and so there's huge huge highs but there's also <laughs> lows um amidst well, all of that. course you know it's like we are living our life for that hour and a half yeah 
Yeah. You know, every day or some people, you know, we're fortunate that we get that hour and a half. Some people yeah. fucking work nine to five in a shitty job and they go over to their shitty relationship. <laughs> you know, it's just like they never have a fucking break. And like for, you know, we're fortunate enough to say that we have that two hours of pre. You know, I think of it as being present. You know, yeah, those, yeah. those moments is when you're fully present. Right. When yeah. You lo- yeah. you're doing something you love and that's in a sense being present. So like we wait for those moments of being present when, you know, this quarantine made me realize like, I don't have to wait to be present. I could be present right now. Yeah. Try to make the best out of, you know, the day, you know, that's why when you go back to optimism, it's like, I don't know why I've always been optimistic. I just know that I want to, when I'm a hundred years old or 95 years or fuck 40, whenever I die or whatever, um, (laughs) that I, uh, (laughs) gave, uh, that I gave it all every day. I, I, I made life the best I can make it, you know? No doubt. No doubt. Well, I think you're inspiring a lot of people, man. You know, a lot of your fans, but also a lot of other musicians, um, seeing how you find ways to be creative and to do your thing. I think that drive combined with optimism um, really is doing doing good things for you and a lot of us too. So we appreciate well, it. I appreciate it, man. We're all just winging it, you know? We're all, <laughs> well, you're it's doing one a good big job at it, man. Show. This live is one big Grateful Dead show. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, well, I really appreciate you doing this, man. And and you did a great interview. You conducted a great interview. Thanks, um, bud. I'm just thanks for get, having me. No problem. I, one last question. One last question. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you happy? I'm happy, man. I'm, I am happy. You know, there's, there's moments where, like the rest, like everybody else where, you know, we get a little worried about things, you know, yeah. my, my, my neurotic juice side will also kick in at times and be like, Oh my God, it's smoky and the world's ending and you're having a baby. But, uh, that's, that's, you know, my optimism, uh, I, I feel like I am generally an optimist too. will usually kick its ass pretty soon. After. You know, every 10 years we're, we're good. We're due for an apop- apocalyptic scare. You know, we yeah. had Y2K. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, true. Just, that's true. Well, let's keep fighting it, bro. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we're here, buddy. Appreciate you, my friend. Appreciate you too, buddy. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Much love. Have a great one. Thanks, bud. I want to thank Andy for being on the show. Always a pleasure to talk with him and hang with him. And before we leave, we're going to play a song off of the latest Andy Frasco and the UN album. This is the title track, Keep On Keeping On.
Eric Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kraz. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email Kraz plus one at Gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time.